0: Good morning
1: you're just in time
0: welcome to the saint gabriel cafe your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement
2: let's start our
3: day together
0: good morning come on in pull up a chair i'm dave orsborne
3: and i'm amanda miller and we are thrilled to have you here with us in the saint gabriel cafe our live and local morning show
0: Cameron Clutters, our barista, and this morning, something a little bit different. Amanda, Cam, and I will be talking about some of the spaces and places that have been pivotal in our own walks with Christ.
4: Good morning, Amanda.
3: Good morning, Dave.
0: You start us with a prayer.
3: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for another day. We thank you for your goodness and for your blessings and for all the ways that you are leading us and sustaining us. Lord, we ask for greater confidence in the plan that you have for each one of our lives. Confidence in your providential plan. Confidence in your goodness, confidence in your love that you are ever with us but help us to be attentive to those places and those spaces in which you want to come and meet us, to fill us, to encounter us, so that we can encounter you. We give our hearts to you, especially all those places in our hearts that maybe are unsure, maybe are failing or doubting. Lord, we just surrender those to you. We ask that you fill fill those spaces in particular. And as always, we ask for our... Heavenly Mother's intercession, we trusting in her, her motherly care and guidance, that she will always take us to the Lord. We pray that all this in Jesus' name, Amen.
0: Amen, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Amanda. The Church today celebrates Saint Jerome Emiliani and Saint Josephine Bakhita. Also, want to remind our friends of some upcoming events around the diocese. Father Joshua Whitfield will be coming to Our Lady of Peace Parish in Clintonville for a pre Lenten mission. You can find those details online at olp parish.org. We also have, and we spoke about this earlier in the week. Millions of Monicas, One Hour, One Purpose, Our Children, a prayer ministry for mothers to pray together for their children. This will be kicking off here in our diocese. It's a new prayer ministry, Monday from 6 to 7 o'clock at St. Andrew Catholic Church. And it's millionsofmonicas.com for more information. And, of course, we have our women's and men's conferences coming up Saturday, February 17th, the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference, the theme this year, This Wondrous Gift. It'll be happening from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Ohio Expo Center, Kasich Hall. The following Saturday, Saturday, February 24th, the 27th annual Catholic Men's Conference. The theme this year, the Eucharist, Go Deeper. Again, Saturday, February 24th, also at Kasich Hall at the Ohio Expo Center here in the capital city, Columbus. You can register online at StGabrielRadio.com. How are you guys doing today? Quite well. It's Thursday.
3: It is Thursday.
4: (laughs) How about you, Cameron? I always love Thursdays because... That means we're close to Friday, which isn't to say at all. I love my job, Dave. It's okay, (laughs) but but there's something special about being able to rest over the weekend. And uh, Thursday growing up was always it's it's one step closer to Friday. So
0: I've done holy weeks or holy weeks, holy um, holy hours, different times during the week. And now I'm doing a Wednesday and that's just a really nice time of the week. You know, right there in the middle. Um, To set that time aside, I've done Friday nights, I've done Mondays, you know, jumping around different parts. But I really like Wednesday evenings, and I especially like how the holy hour goes right into my men's group. Hmm. And so...
3: It does break up your week. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But on Monday, I was thinking it was Tuesday. Tuesday, I was thinking it was... And so I've been all messed up this week, so... But I'm anchored, I know today is Thursday. <laughs> so our gospel passage this morning is from Mark. We're still in Mark chapter 7 today, verses 24 to 30. Jesus went to the district, district of Tyre. He entered a house and wanted no one to know about it, but he could not escape notice. Soon a woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him. She came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to drive the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs she replied and said to him, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's scraps. Then he said to her, for saying this, you may go, the demon has gone out of your daughter. When the woman went home, she found the child lying in bed and the demon gone in today's gospel from Mark chapter seven, verses 24 to 30. Who wants to start? What what popped for you, Mr. Cameron?
4: I think that interaction, and, and it's the only dialogue in the whole thing, and maybe my brain just jumps to the dialogue, but the interaction between Jesus, their brief but important conversation uh, between him and the, the Seraphonician woman and her... I'm not exactly sure what like the right word for it is her faith but but it's an extraordinary kind of faith to say, you know, Jesus of course, is speaking about like the let me minister to the to the Hebrews, to the Jews first, mm-hmm. the children of of Israel, and she says, well, even the dogs you know get get some of that and and I think it's just striking to me because um you don't meet a lot of people like that. You don't meet a lot of people who can just, you know, approach the Lord. Maybe at least in my brain, I attribute that kind of quality to the old church ladies who like spend extra time in church, praying a rosary. And I'm convinced that like, they're the reason the world hasn't ended yet or something (laughs) like that, right? Because they're all just praying for, I don't know, everything. And I'm very grateful for that. And and just struck by that kind of faith to, to be able to approach the Lord and say, you know, give us everything you've got, even if it's just the mm-hmm. little bit that falls to the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Actually,
3: Cam, I think you bring up a really good point. And this is something I, this is not initially what I had Lexioed, but in your thinking on this, it, it sparked my own thoughts. And I, uh, I always just thought this was really witty of her to reply this way. I was like, wow, that's a great comeback. Good job. (laughs) Um, But in this, you know, she is, she's saying even the dogs under the table and uh, gosh, now I'm starting to kind of relate to it in the sense of sometimes I even have my own prayer of Lord, I know I'm a sinner. um, And yet, I trust in your mercy anyways. Mm. And yeah, I am not worthy of whatever you want to do in my life, um, but I trust in your mercy anyways. Um, Or, or even find myself saying, yeah, Lord, I'm a sinner, but don't let that affect the ones that you have for me to minister today. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that, that's just a really good reflection in, in light of what you shared, Cam. Thank you.
4: And I th- I think also recognizing the other thing that stands out to me, and it is that it's Jesus isn't like shooing her off. Because that's not who God is. And and I love to read scripture and just always keep in the front of my brain um reminding myself who who does God say that he is. Well, he's loving and kind and compassionate, right? Um he's just and and out of his justice like that's why he flips the tables in the market and stuff but i don't think he's being like aggressive or passive with with this woman i think it's an invitation mm. too and that that's really important too that jesus is asking her would you recognize your own sinfulness in that way would you mm. would you recognize your own doggedness mm. <laughs> as it were and she responds in tune you know lord i am i am but even even the dogs eat the scraps.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because
3: when she's approaching him, he already knows what's in his heart. So I, I'm assuming he already knows what her response is going to be, right? When he asked the question. Uh, but he needs her to recognize that. And so you're right, Kim. God is not a God who shoes people away, but draws um, goodness out of us.
0: Yeah, has your feelings of inadequacy or unworthiness ever kept you, you know, away from approaching the Lord? I guess that's rhetorical. You don't have to answer out loud, but I know I know yeah. it has in, in in my life, you know, either because of sin or um judging myself against others. It's like, you know, they are holier than I am, or they're um somehow more loved than I am.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And here we see that acknowledgment yeah i yeah i am weak i am unworthy but i still have faith that the lord can act in me and i think that that that's what you both were saying she she still had that faith and the courage and the boldness to to approach the lord on behalf of her daughter
2: mm-hmm.
0: and he acknowledged that that right at, at right at the beginning of the passage, he entered a house and wanted no one to know about it. <laughs> what, what was on his mind? I mean, was he, uh, you know, just coming off from a, a hard week and just needed, in his humanness, to to rest mm-hmm. and to
3: to go away and pray. Yeah, yeah.
0: But he could not escape notice.
3: hmm hmm
0: She found him.
3: Yeah, because right after that sentence, it says soon, soon a woman whose daughter had been, you know, I was struck by that as well, Dave, this idea of, you know, he wanted no one to know about it, but he couldn't escape notice. So everyone then knew about it.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: But her faithfulness also of it seemed like she wanted to be the first to get to him. That soon is making me have this visual of she sought him out very fervently amidst the crowd.
0: Have you ever seen the Far Side comic no. of uh um a uh, a door to door like missionary you know is is standing at the door the person that lives there's at the door and the guy says have you found jesus and you see over against the window sandals sticking out beneath the uh, beneath the curtains, the curtains. <laughs> He's not a great hider, you know, you know he, he, wherever you are, whatever your situation in whatever place or space he's there
4: mm-hmm.
0: and um, he's never completely hidden.
4: Mm-mm. Sometimes
0: you may have to search a little, you know, find out what's in your heart and, and clear that out or get rid of uh, memories or thoughts that are keeping you away from him. But he's right there. Sandals under the curtain. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to talk about places and spaces today. Um, How we've encountered uh, the Lord in some of the expected as well as unexpected places in our lives. So stay with us. You're listening to the St. Gabriel Cafe.
3: devotion to the
4: holy face of Jesus in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Be merciful to us, O my God, and reject not our prayers, when amid our afflictions we call upon thy holy name and seek with love and confidence thine adorable face, amen.
2: Do you have a minute for lasting happiness? Living virtuously is the way to freedom, happiness, and holiness. To grow in virtue, we must learn about it, practice it, and persevere in it. This is what the saints have achieved with excellence. An excellent example of the virtue of courtesy is seen in St. Vincent de Paul. He lived courtesy heroically by showing respect for all people, regardless of their class or race. He recognized their dignity as children of God, even when this was difficult or unpopular. He served the poor and imprisoned with great devotion and practiced works of mercy. Let us ask St. Vincent de Paul to pray for us, that we too may grow in courtesy. Educate yourself in virtue. Learn more at educationinvirtue.com.
1: I'm Lori Kroc and this is a Holy and Healthy Minute. In physical training, two key tenets for success are consistency and moderation. Consistency is showing up regularly. This is necessary to learn, to progress, and to see results. Consistency is also an essential element in developing a strong and fruitful prayer life. Saint Teresa of Avila said, How often have I failed in my duty to God because I was not leaning on the strong pillar of prayer? The second tenet is moderation. Practicing moderation in our temporal activities such as exercising, eating, drinking, shopping, and socializing helps free us from potential attachments and opens our hearts to doing God's work. Let us ask the Holy Spirit to guide us to consistency and moderation in every area of our lives, while leaning on the strong pillar of prayer. Welcome back, friends, to the
3: Saint Gabriel Cafe. I'm Amanda Miller.
0: I'm Dave horseborn <laughs> <So I was laughs> Did looking... you forget your name? Cameras. <laughs> <laughs> Cameron's, Cameron's uh, playing with my. Uh... Oh, there we go. The screen.
3: The producer always keeping us on track.
0: Sorry about that,
2: folks.
0: (laughs) We're talking uh, this morning about those places and spaces that have had uh, uh, pivotal pivotal moments in our own walk with Christ. Last night I was uh, praying and preparing for the show. The Lord Um, reminded me again of a time I was... About five years old, and it's one of my earliest memories of my uh, cousin's funeral. It was was at the funeral home, and he had uh, died in the Vietnam War, and the flag-draped coffin, and all of my family members mourning, and very emotionally grieving um, the loss of his life. And I don't. I, I think the Lord reminded me that He was in the midst of that. I, I can't say as a five-year-old I understood that, but now through through my memory, it was very much um, God with my family members and with my cousin, and reminded me that. My experience up to that point of encountering God or worshiping him was in church, the four walls of, of the church. And I, I think somewhere in, in, in that little five-year-old Dave, maybe that was my first glimpse that no, God is in a lot of places, all places.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: and um, And not to forget that. So, just a something that popped into my head.
3: Yeah. I really appreciate, actually, that that happened when you were so young. That's a beautiful time to learn that. I don't think mm-hmm. many of us get to that at that age. So, has that been able to develop more as you've...
0: I mean, I'm sure it's been... Oh, I hope to, so. Yeah,
2: <laughs> since five years old.
0: <laughs> yeah, and through different seasons, I, it's more intense than others,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but... And we can talk about this um, some, just how the Holy Spirit uses um, all the external um, experiences and our senses to remind us that God is with us. And then he also uses those interior spaces through the memories in our head or the places in our heart uh, that he wants to come into. and and, and sanctifying away, you know, sanctifying these memories. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it always, but sometimes we need nudges. And I think that's also where other people come in to uh, remind us that God is acting. And I think that's what that experience at at the funeral home was really um, God acting through so many different people in, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in intense ways. Do you have an early memory?
3: Um, I mean, I, I suppose I have several memories of, of where I have encountered God more deeply, but maybe some of my earlier memories are related to actually recognizing the lack of his presence. Hmm. Um, and something just as simple as when I would maybe be with my cousins or friends and we'd be out camping or something when I was quite young. And uh, my my grandmother, she loved to take us camping. And uh, so that's a great memory I have. And I remember one time my cousin standing next to me and we we're looking out at this beautiful valley and these mountains towering over it. And, and my cousin was just like, it's just so beautiful. I'm just in such awe. And I had I had thought like, oh, yeah, this is nice. We're all here having fun. But I don't think I initially recognized the grandeur and the beauty. And I think even just that statement started to make me question maybe my interior
4: mm-hmm. of,
3: oh, I I should be drawn outside of myself in the midst of something um, so so beautiful. And I think that kind of got me on the path of, uh, just desiring to maybe see god more uh, or or to have my interior more aligned properly and it, i don't think it was until confirmation that i started learning maybe more intellectually about my faith mm-hmm. and yet i was in an environment that that i wasn't surrounded by that so then again i was i was seeing the beauty of the faith and seeing the goodness of god or at least learning about it and and yet recognizing Maybe in my daily life at a secular school, not encountering it more like I was at maybe a confirmation class. Mm. And so the, the lack of God's presence in some ways is really what started to make me recognize I want more of his presence.
0: Yeah, I remember. It comes back around to memories to where. In, in a situation um, you know, maybe using words that hurt somebody or, um, bad behavior and not, and not knowing at that moment that God was with me in some ways, very much protecting me. And and there, I think my ever diligent guardian angel. Um, but through that memory, it's like, oh my gosh, God, God was in that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, he was mm-hmm. protecting me in from from harm or from danger but then also that memory triggers wow you know this is a time that you know you really weren't good and let's let's stay in that and and, um you know sometimes say you you've come a long way i'm proud of you and uh, you know other times it's like man 30 years later, and you're still making the same mistake. <laughs> but but it, it's still that presence. It's still that dialogue is what's important. Mm-hmm. You know, having that encounter is, um, is such a blessing.
4: Yeah, I'm just reminded of a um, passage in Joshua that, that'll lead into one of my memories, I think, too. Um, in Joshua 4, they talk about the 12 stones, that they've they've just crossed the Jordan River, into the Promised Land, and uh, you know they 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 finally did it. They they escaped Egypt. They've made it to the Promised Land. They just crossed the Jordan, but like when they're in the middle of the Jordan River, similar to the Red Sea kind of idea, right? That the river's split, and Joshua's standing there in the middle, and he orders them to take twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan River and he and he says take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the people of israel that this may be assigned to you so that when your children ask in time to come what do those stones mean to you and then you shall tell them that the waters of the jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the lord when it passed over the jordan the waters of the jordan were cut off so these stones shall be to the people of israel memorial forever and i think one of the biggest reasons that passage sticks out to me, too, is um, it reminds me of this conversation is how important those memories of like those stones in our lives. Are, mm. Right. Um, I didn't have the blessing of, of having one of those at, at a pretty early age, actually, the kind of two moments that are often joined together in my head, one during my eighth grade year in the spring and, and then the next during my freshman year of high school and the the first was a challenge from my youth minister actually to to either he essentially he said listen kim um god is either 100% real or 100% made up which means you have to be either 100% in or 100% out there's no 80% doing this mm-hmm. and and that we we were eating ice cream like you Dan Demite, who's now one of the executive directors at Damascus. Um, I, I found out later that my mom had orchestrated this whole entire thing, but um in my brain at the time it was Dan had reached out and said, "Hey, can I take Cam and my brother Mason out for ice cream?" Mm. And so he drove us to graders and bought us ice cream, and we're sitting there on the back of graders, and he just starts you know preaching the gospel essentially and um, has become really like a, a a stone in my life because I think it was the first time that I really um, was challenged with that fact that God is intimately present. He's not, I would say before that I really saw God as like the big man upstairs. You know, he does his thing and I do my thing and We'll reckon at the end of this. <laughs>
0: and sometimes our paths will cross. Right, yeah. exactly.
4: And, and that was the first time because I saw Dan who had such like that um, intimate kind of relationship with the Lord where, where he saw his presence in every moment. I was challenged with that. And now fast forward to my freshman year. I think that's when I really started taking it seriously, too, was um, I, I have a memory of being in a chapel down in Cincinnati on a retreat. And I have no idea where this chapel is, but I remember it vividly. I hope I, it, it, I always said I I should probably just drive to Cincinnati and show up at every church I possibly can <laughs> just to see if I can find it again. Yeah. Um, And kneeling on the floor in adoration in this chapel, in the front, in front of all the pews, you know, up by like where there would be a communion rail and there wasn't one in this chapel. So I was just, I felt very close to, God's presence in the Eucharist there and felt like in that moment, just this deep sense of prayer. And often I think in my brain, I would cite that as one of the first times I really truly prayed and there wasn't like this, like deep, something bad is going on in my life or anything like that. But I just felt in the presence of the divine and said, okay, Lord, you know, I'm here, you're here, <laughs> let's chat or whatever. And, and it was the first time in my life too, that I, I feel like I felt someone say the word that I love you and actually mean it. And, and heard that from the Lord in prayer, just this deep sense of love in my heart from him that, that like didn't rely on anything else. It wasn't earned. It wasn't, um, you know, far away or distant, but it, it was present and real in the moment. And so those two memories of mine are, are really like the two that I cite as like the first time I really started taking my faith seriously too. And and less about like the physical place too, and more about um, the, the environment or, or atmosphere that was kind of created internally inside me, I think, that the Lord worked through.
3: Cam, you started sharing with this idea of, uh, what was the scripture verse again?
4: Joshua four, right at the beginning.
3: So in Joshua, where, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean to you? You know, it's really a memorial of what the Lord did. So are you relating these memories that you have to like these stones that you're collecting along the way in which you can use as a memorial to look back at what the Lord has done?
4: Yeah. And I think that's kind of two part one. One part being exactly what Joshua is saying here is I hope someday my daughter says, Hey, you know, why, why do we go to church on mm-hmm. Sundays? Mm-hmm. I, why do you take this seriously, dad? Because, because that's where I'll start my story. Well, because God takes me seriously mm-hmm. because God gives me 100%. And so I am going to give him hundred percent. Let me tell you how that started for me. Um, I look forward to that day and, and sharing the stone in that way. And also... The other reason I think it sticks out to me, too, Thomas Aquinas has this quote that's really stuck with me called, um, he says, hope is for the future, what memory is for the past. Hmm. And how when we look back on the ways God has encountered us, met with us, come to us in our lives, we can look forward to the future with hope that it will happen again and again and again until the end of our life, when it'll happen for the for the final and, and hopefully forever, eternal time that God meets with us and remains there.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I'm struck by this idea of collecting these stones and, and even the quote that you just shared, what hope is for the future is what memory is for the past. And uh, it makes me think of the spiritual exercises of Saint Ignatius of Loyola, where we are meant to store up consolation for our time of desolation. And I think that really relates to collecting these stones, collecting these memories, for which we can hold on to and remember God's goodness and what he's done in our lives and the promises that he's given us so that in those times of desolation so that in those times of hardship in those times that we are wavering in our faith we can go back into our memory put ourselves back into that moment and say no God did this for me God is faithful he is loving he whatever we experienced in that moment can be that opportunity for holding on to him
0: check this out yesterday i get a phone call from mike stickle uh, over in newark at uh, blessed sacrament church and he called me uh because i guess they've been doing some renovations there uh, on their campus and you know how you have uh bricks or stones in memory of loved ones or honoring you know family members So, apparently, uh, through this construction, uh, they've removed those bricks. Mm. And he um, is close to my oldest brother, Dick. Oh, gosh, Dick, I haven't told you this, too. So, if you're listening, (laughs) spoiler alert. Yes, surprise. Um, Mike had three bricks that Dick had, you know, honored his wife, uh, his children, and his mother-in-law. And Dick lost his wife, Stacy, uh, about four or five years ago. And now Mike is going to return the stones, you know, uh, to Dick. And what a a blessing these stones are.
4: (laughs) What was the Aquinas quote? again memory or hope is for the future that memory is for the past
0: and now dick is going into this next stage of his life he lives up near my niece rachel and she has her own family now so what a blessing still to have these stones these bricks in their life at this point to remind them of a time not too long ago but now all the hope that's there, and as Dick goes on with his life, and and Rachel's building her family, to have these visible mm-hmm. reminders, isn't that amazing timing?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: With yeah. with that phone call yesterday.
3: That is, it it reminds me of something that we also touched on yesterday in our conversation in the cafe. Is, uh, briefly, I think we talked about kind of these mementos, and I was sharing that. Sometimes when we were talking about words, like it's a little easier to hold on to a word Mm -hmm. than maybe sometimes a whole idea or whole scripture verse, just a word that we can touch back to so that we can be reminded of what the Lord is doing in our lives. And I've I've started to take that more seriously in the past couple of years. A a friend had originally told me about it. And I thought that's such a great idea, not only because I have a bad memory of (laughs) and I'm not always able to recall a whole scenario or a a whole scriptural verse. But if I can just remember one word, it it can help me hearken back to the goodness that the Lord did in that time and space. Mm -hmm. And so what I've been doing lately is to say if I go to a conference and the Lord does a great work or say if i go uh, on a trip and the Lord really spoke to me in a certain way i'll i'll take the opportunity to pray about okay lord what's what's one word that you would like to encompass what we did together here so that i can remember your goodness and and then i'll take it a step further as i'm praying with that word and sometimes i'll even you know i'm not really a a gift shop kind of person i don't like stuff but if it's going to help me remember the goodness of God and what he's doing in my life, then that seems worth it. So sometimes I'll, okay, I'll, like one of my last trips, uh, the word that he gave me was purpose. He was just really reminding me that I have purpose, like he has a plan. So I was walking with this this word purpose, and a friend and I went to the thrift shop while we were on our trip, and I found just this little necklace that had a circle and I was like, oh, that circle reminds me of the Trinity, you know, God, mm-hmm. God, infinite. And I was like, that's it. I'm going to, I'm going to get that necklace. And it's going, every time I put it on, it's going to remind me that I have purpose. And so I've, I've taken this opportunity to remember these, these, these places and these words, and then used a memento or the, the stone that we've been talking about yeah. to continue touching back to the goodness that God has done in my life because if i have something tangible to maybe put on every day then it's going to remind me of of lord the lord continually working in my life and the promises that he's given me
4: that's one reason i really love liturgy of the hours actually too is because it can be so repetitive even on a monthly basis and being like having a really beautiful moment of prayer in an encounter with the Lord in praying the liturgy of the hours. When you come back to that prayer, it's all, I'm always reminded of it. Um, I prayed evening prayer quite often in the Dominican mother house down in Nashville, Tennessee, when I lived down there. And in a, in a funny kind of way to would sometimes by praying it, not even, speak the words out loud for fear of like defiling the area because it's all these beautiful sisters playing in their beautiful voices. And I would just sit there and be like, I don't, I, if I speak with my, you know, little tenor male voice here, um, I might, I might corrupt the the beauty of your moment that's happening. Right. But
0: you'll create um, a memory for them.
4: Right. Exactly. Not a good one. Um, and just loving like sitting in that moment, in that Holy space and, um, I'm reminded of that often when I, when I pray the canticle of Mary, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, because I remember just feeling those, like that feeling that freezes feeling in that moment, sitting in the Dominican mother house. And when I've gone back, I, I also remember dragging a few friends down there to visit. None of them had ever been to Nashville before. And I had spent nine, ten months living down there. And so dragging them back a, a year and a half later. And we had this whole packed Saturday planned and right after dinner time, we were going to the Dominican mother house to uh, pray evening prayer with them. And then after that, there was a praise and worship night at one of the parishes and we went and we prayed evening prayer and we're all just so moved again by the beauty of it that we were like, I feel like the praise and worship isn't going to live up to it. So we ended up going home after that and, and skipping the evening plans. Um, but again, just reminded, even a year and a half later, playing, praying that evening prayer in that space again and, and being moved again by, you know, the glory of God and, and just that purity of, of the moment.
0: Hmm. You're in the St. Gabriel Cafe today with Amanda, Cam, and Dave. We're reflecting on some of the places and spaces where the Lord has really um, been present in our lives. And I was reading a, a, a book last fall called Franciscan Lexio, and most of us frame or put uh, Lexio in the context of uh, sacred reading and the, the theme of this book actually comes from a series of letters that St. Clair had written to Agnes and Claire's point in one of the letters is god in all things Mm. and what uh abandonment to divine providence would call the the sacrament of the of the present moment and claire's advice to agnes was in in her life in her encounters with others or with nature or in front of a piece of artwork or music to take those four elements or movements of Lectio that we know through scripture, sacred reading, oratio, Lectio, Meditatio, Contemplatio. Claire had her four movements as gazing, considering, contemplating, and imitating. And her point is that Um, wherever you are, whatever situation, whether it's in conversation with somebody else or just on a nature walk or listening to music, looking at artwork to gaze first and foremost, and and just not to glance, I guess the difference between a glance or a gaze is to really slow down and spend time in that present moment and look or listen or smell, you know, we're, we're sensory and to spend that moment, and then consider how God is in that moment. just, you know, again, just to stop and, and find God. And then to contemplate on that, you know, how, how, how do you want to speak to me in this moment, Lord, you know, what, what, what is it about this music? That's really stirring my heart or, you know, in, in this nature, looking at this rock or, you know, or or whatever it is, what do you have for me in this moment? And then to stay with that and imitate, um, and ask the Lord, how do you want me to react or to act? And I just said that really has struck me because I really want to slow down and not just glance or be completely oblivious to the things that are around me, but to take that time and and to gaze and it's remarkable what you see when you really take the time to look. (laughs) And, um, so I just offer that as another way to approach, um, know what we refer to commonly as Lexia with uh, with scripture, with uh, sacred readings, but to bring it into all aspects of our life. Another way to frame it um, is to remember, reflect, and respond. So if you're in those moments of uh, uh, monkey mind, as I've joked about, where your mind is skipping all over the place, too, to treat that as, as an opportunity rather than a distraction that's leading you away from prayer to consider that that's a moment to go deeper in prayer and and to use that memory
2: Mm -hmm.
3: yeah actually dave in your bringing that up sometimes it it makes me think sometimes that either we're we're not attentive to the lord's voice and what he wants to speak to us or sometimes we write it off right Mm -hmm. like i i remember having uh a song popped into my head and I, I thought it was kind of weird because I thought, well, I haven't listened to that type of music for a while now, mm-hmm. uh, and I haven't. It's not something I've heard recently, so that's weird. Emo. <laughs> it was rock, <laughs> it was rock music. And um, and uh, I the, the phrase that was coming to my head, this is gonna give it away maybe, was here comes the rooster. And uh, I was like, that's so odd. Why do I keep on repeating that in my head? And something so simple, I was just walking up the stairs. I saw the crucifix on the wall. And suddenly that verse came back to mind and I was singing it. And I was like, oh, no, the rooster in in Christ's own story was when he was denied. And then it like hit me and was like, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? And I I just had to look through my thoughts and, and ask myself, is, is there a way that I'm not being Truly attentive to what the Lord is doing, or or am I on the on the verge of maybe denying Him in some way? And it was a huge realization of, oh yeah, like I I gotta correct these thoughts that I'm having yeah. because I'm not being um, as honorable to the Lord as I should, and all that from uh, just a song that came from my past, right? And, and I think he wants,
0: that's amazing yeah, I yeah, love that.
3: because he wants to speak to us in all ways. And if, if we're not attentive to this, maybe different type of lexio
2: mm-hmm.
3: or, or just write things off, then we'll, we can miss the opportunity to hear him or even see him. Like you, you're mm-hmm. mentioning in if, either in nature and art or, or asking him, how do you want to speak to me through this?
4: You're listening to the St. Gabriel Cafe, Dave, Amanda, and myself. I'm Cam. I'm the barista. I love how loud the Lord has to shout sometimes in our deafness. <laughs> yeah, And it's not that he made us like spiritually deaf in that way. It's We put that on ourselves. It's almost like we're like putting the earmuffs on over and over. And sometimes the Lord's like, well, if you're not going to listen to me when I throw scripture at you, I'll throw a rock song yeah. at you. Or, or like how how... And and how quiet he has to speak sometimes too when we when we really are seeking and attentive to him. Um, I remember when I was a missionary up at Damascus, and I left in May of 2020, so just after COVID had uh, started that March, and in February March had already been kind of in a season of like discerning. Okay, Lord, what's what's the next step for? for me. And I I felt the Lord impressing upon me that it was going to be time to move on from Damascus. And I didn't want that. Mm. Um, I had spent two and a half years there. I loved the community. They were and are still all my friends. And I remember just like running from that feeling and trying to grasp at like literally anything else and having like a conversation with Aaron Richards, one of the executive directors, like, hey, do you have any job for me? Because I want to stay so bad. At the same time, I was reading The Chronicles of Narnia for the second time in my life. And I'm a C.S. Lewis nerd. Um, I love his writing so much. And um, historically, I'd really liked, you know, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and and some of the other books, The Last Battle, but never really enjoyed the book The Horse and His Boy. And that was the one I was reading at this time, too. And, and I felt kind of like I was trying to slug through it. But I remember hitting this chapter where it follows the, the main character, Shasta, and he's running from the Talmarines, from the like, land of slavery into Darnia, into freedom. And he's right at the threshold. It's a mountain range, and he's up on top of the mountain. He's been being chased by this lion. And you as the reader know the lion is Aslan, but he doesn't know that. He just thinks it's a hungry lion coming to eat him, and he's like, I'm running, and the lion finally catches up with him, and he realizes I'm doomed or whatever, and he asks a simple question. He says, who are you that you chase me? And the response comes, one who has been waiting for you for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I just remember reading that and then just like weeping. And I wasn't even reading it necessarily for prayer at the time, but just like weeping, like, okay, Lord, you've caught up with me, <laughs> you know? Oh, you hungry lion, you um, one who has been waiting for me for a long time. And, and I think that was really the pivotal moment too for me, where I was like, oh, it's time to go into a new land, into a new season, into a new life. And I, I, ended up getting accepted to college too right around the same time at Ohio Dominican here in town. And so really the Lord lined up a lot of really beautiful things. And initially how deaf I'm like trying to make myself when I when the Lord was impressing that upon me and and um yelling through a novel maybe as simple as, you know, C.S. Lewis, but um yeah, just like blown away by like how the Lord pursues us in those places, in those songs, in those books, in those moments of prayer or not, you know, he can just come after us. Mm -hmm.
3: I do think it is an important point to uh, start opening ourselves to the possibility that God is speaking in all these ways, right? And this is something that maybe I, I wouldn't have thought about several years ago. Uh, but as I'm maybe learning it from others, I'm starting to allow myself, okay, Lord, how do you want to speak to me in this? Maybe when I watch a movie, like, Lord, what do you want to say to me in this? Or, or in a song or, or like you did, Cam, in, in a book. And recognizing that he wants to speak to us in all ways in every part of our life. It's, it's not only and solely in the chapel or through scripture. Of course, it's in those things. Uh, but in our daily lives, he wants to meet us
0: one of those pivot moments <clears throat> for me where you know the the gps of the lord said you know recalculating um was uh well all, all the all the births of our children but i i remember vividly um when katie was born and you know that everything leading up to the birth of a child. I mean, the, the expectation, you know, the, um, the excitement, but then you also have the anxiety and, and, and some fear and all the uncertainty. Oh my gosh, I'm actually going to be responsible, you know, for this little bundle of joy. And, you know, then you start, you know, at least, you know, I, you know, oh my gosh, college savings, you know, I've got to open up a new, account you know oh my gosh you have to get the baby furniture assembled and in place then and all, all these things and
4: disassembled and disassembled and, reassembled. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: at that moment when I first met her it, it was just all of what was what I thought was important was less important and it was just in that moment creation (laughs) you know god's entering into uh our lives carol and i uh in such a new and profound way and just life and and now we're going to be living life together through whatever and that uncertainty. Yeah, it was still there, but it was, God was a part of it in a way that, yeah, I should have known, you know, and, and, and fully realized, but he really reminded me that there's not three of you. There's four of us. And it was just such a, um, I mean just a, a profound moment. I'm sure Cam had similar feelings coming into into the birth of Olive.
4: Yeah, really similar and reminded of it all the time too. I think it's really easy to when she's fussy or upset or um cannot figure out a way to communicate her needs and I'm not like translating that properly you know recognizing that it's ultimately not even about those needs necessarily but sometimes like uh, she'll be crying and I'm like are you hungry are you sleepy are you you know do you do you need a new toy do you, you know, what what's going on and sometimes it's just pick me up i just want to be held you know and and uh, it's frustrating to me sometimes how long it takes me to come to that conclusion of all of oh, just want to pick it up right now, and, and that's okay, too. Um, but recognizing that, I think being aware of that reality, Dave, that you were talking about is it's not the the three of you being me, Bailey, and Olive, but it's the four of us with, with God in there, God present always, too, um, especially as my father. I've gotten to know God the Father a lot more since uh, becoming a father myself. And so really just blessed that I get to be called, uh, his son first and foremost. And, and I think I'm always like all the more keenly aware of that when I'm stepping into being, uh, into my role of fatherhood more and more every day.
1: Actually,
3: Cam, your story reminds me of, uh, a story I heard the other day and she was explaining how in her own faith life, she's always just, Lord, what can I do for you? Or let's, let's do this mission trip or let's serve in this way. Or, you know, always this uh, give, 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 do, do, do. And, and just really out of a desire to, to love. But in prayer, she heard the Lord say, you've been living like a servant. And uh, if all you did was come and sat with me and allow yourself to be held, uh, that would be enough to live like a child. And I was really struck by that because, you know, in your story of you, you really just want to give uh, all of anything she wants, which is so beautiful. Uh, but even just allowing ourselves to like sit and be held by the father, there's something so important about that space and allowing for that space to come about in our own lives. And, The doing is nice and serving the Lord is good, but there is such a goodness in remembering our identity as sons and daughters and allowing ourselves to be held by him and just rest in him and creating that relationship. Right.
4: And grasping onto those stones, those memory stones, right. And come back full circle all the way around to today's gospel with the Seraphian woman who, who comes to Jesus and um, is like, please, you know, cast the demon out of my daughter. Um, what, a, what a memory stone for her. I'm sure that altered not just the course of her daughter's life, who, uh, you know, was was possessed by a demon and is no longer possessed by a demon. That's pretty life altering. But what's even more life altering is that like this woman in her in her bold faith came to the Lord and said, you know, please, I beg you. Yeah, I, I i may be a sinner i may be not even a jew to begin with but but you are still god and and walked away with like her daughter's life changed and, and in a many in many big ways her life changed too um what a memory stone for her you know
0: hmm. outstanding friends thanks for indulging us uh this hour, uh, as we were able to look back on, on our lives and um, look at all the, the ways God is such a good father to us. My encouragement for you as we head into Lent is to spend some time uh, leading up to next Wednesday and up to uh, Ash Wednesday to have that conversation with God about how He wants to make Himself known. More to you. Gaze on them wherever you find them. So, you know, go for a walk. Enjoy the weather. Um, sit in the quiet. Listen to some good music or, or a beautiful picture. And just uh, yeah, slow down and gaze and, and have that conversation. Or ask Lord to bring you a memory of a time earlier in your life where he was very obviously with you or in a at a time when he may have been a little bit more concealed but just just start that conversation if you're not already doing it and uh, and pursue the Lord with all your heart so friends thanks for being with us in the cafe this morning we'll be back tomorrow at 8 a.m. we'll be talking about mission trips and about how we discover Christ and those that we serve but then How do they move us as we serve them? Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit.
3: As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen.
0: Amen. God bless you all. We'll see you tomorrow morning.